reading from Mark. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. And later, it is written, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed. And the servant girl, on seeing him, began to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. Then after a while, the bystanders said again to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. A second reading from Sharon Welch, Sweet Dreams in America, Making Ethics and Spirituality Work, is one of her books. She's also a professor of Unitarian Universalist ministry students. Benny Green, in his tribute to the art of Billie Holiday, claimed that jazz operates at the knife edge of failure. Humphrey Littleton claimed that part of the power of Louis Armstrong's work was his ability to overcome and glorify unimaginative backing and to recover from a bad mistake and continue on his way without the missing of a beat. Bill Evans claimed that in jazz, a mistake can be, in fact, must be justified by what follows it.
As we approach our celebration of the new year, it is common practice for many of us to make resolutions. How many of you are thinking about New Year's resolutions that you might make? I see a few hands, at least. And what do we do when we think about New Year's resolutions? We spend time dwelling on all of the things in our life that are wrong, all of the things in ourselves that we don't like, all of the imperfections that we see every time we look in the mirror. And we say, we say, next year, I'm going to do better. Next year, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Next year, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Next year, I'm going to come to the fellowship every Sunday. <laughs> we look at ourselves, and, and we, we are encouraged to see things that we would like to change. We are encouraged to see things that we view as less than optimal. And we make ourselves feel bad about the things that we see in ourselves that are not perfect. And yet, we are all human beings. And part of the joy and sorrow of being a human being is living with the fact that absolutely none of us is perfect, and none of us ever will be, no matter how hard we try. And so learning to be fully human means learning to live with our imperfections. In fact, sometimes it means learning to see those imperfections as part of who we are without feeling bad about them. Perhaps even we can see sometimes our imperfections, our flaws, the cracks in our pot, as part of what makes us beautiful, as part of what makes us useful to the people around us, as part of what makes us different and unique and wonderful. When I was a hospital chaplain, one of the things that we had to do as chaplains was find passages in the Christian and Jewish scriptures on various topics, with topics on which our patients were struggling. And we, we had to find things in those scriptures, particularly because the vast majority of our patients um, were Christian. And um, we needed to find things that they could relate to in their spiritual journey, no matter what our theology was, that, that could help them deal with the things they were struggling with. And there were a lot of patients that I saw who were struggling with failure, with imperfection, with blame. A lot of patients that I saw were asking themselves what they could possibly have done wrong to deserve the things that were happening to them that made them end up in the hospital. I, um, for one, one of the, the wards I was a chaplain for in my time in UNC Hospital, University of North Carolina Hospital, was uh, the liver transplant unit. And a lot of the people um, who had received liver transplants um, who ended up on that unit actually could point to behaviors in their past that contributed to them ending up in that unit. Um, even if they had been sober for many years, many of them understood that part of what made their liver, liver fail was years of, of drinking. Um, some of them had uh, had struggled all their lives with being overweight and understood that that contributed 
to their livers failing. And so they blamed themselves. They saw these flaws in themselves as at fault for the things that were happening. And it was a self-destructive tendency in the hospital. They blamed themselves, and so they felt bad about themselves. And so they weren't contributing to their ongoing healing in the ways that they should. And part of my job as chaplain was to make them focus on what they needed to do to heal, what they needed to do to, um, to, to recover from this liver transplant, to see it as a second chance without blaming themselves, without dwelling on the things that they saw as flaws. And so the more and more patients that I saw who were struggling with their imperfection, the more I understood that for those who were Christian, and it was the vast majority, I needed to find something in the Christian scriptures that addressed their thoughts that something was wrong with them. And so I searched. I searched the Christian scriptures again and again, and not being the world's greatest expert, it took a long time. And the story that I kept coming back to again and again as the only story that I could really point to in the Christian scriptures of the Bible was the story of Peter. Um, the only story I could, I could come up with that really addressed what happens when, when we do something wrong, what happens when we fail, what happens when we let our human nature of imperfection be what it is. And I came to the story of Peter, the story of Peter who denied that he even knew who Jesus was in that time after Jesus was arrested and before he was killed by the Romans. Peter denied him. He was warned. He said, you'll deny me, Jesus said to him. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 I'm better than that. I know it'll probably mean that I'll be put to death alongside of you, but um, I, I would never do something like that. And yet he did. When the time came and people said, hey, hey, you're one of Jesus' friends, Peter said, oh, oh no, 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 not me. Not me, no, you must be thinking of someone else, some other Galilean that you've seen on the street. No, not me. I have no idea who this Jesus guy is that you're talking about. Um, even though he did. And when he realized what he'd done, when he realized that he had lived up to what he was told he was going to do, he broke down and he wept. But Peter, you see, Peter went on to be one of the most important people in the founding of the Christian church. The name Peter actually comes from the Greek for rock. He is the rock upon which the Christian church was built. So Peter, it turned out, was really important in the early days of Christianity. He was one of the most important people in spreading the, the wonderful things that Jesus actually taught to his followers. And we might not know today the things that Jesus taught. We might not be able to appreciate him as a spiritual teacher if it wasn't for Peter spreading all those things that Jesus taught. And so, had Peter been the perfect being that Peter imagined himself to be, and had Peter said, well, yes, of course, I know Jesus, I'm one of his followers, Peter would have been put to death alongside Jesus. And Peter never would have been able to spread all of those wonderful teachings. Peter's imperfection, you see, was necessary and important. It, not, it just wasn't there. It was necessary for, for an entire religion to flourish. It was necessary for us to understand 
the wonderful teachings that, that the, Jesus, this person who lived and had wonderful things to say, left for us load these many years later. Peter's imperfections were important to his ministry. I've come to learn as a minister that my imperfections are also necessary and important to my ministry. For one, I would really be no fun if I were perfect. (laughs) You would get tired of me really quickly. And I wouldn't be able to blame you. I'm sure that I'd get really tired of being around someone who was perfect all the time, too. For, For another, my imperfections allow me to struggle with all of you. It's necessary for me to embrace and honor those things in me that are imperfections so, so that we can go through this journey together. One of the beautiful things about Unitarian Universalism, one of my favorite things about being a Unitarian Universalist minister, is that in this faith, we don't expect our ministers to be something higher or better than we are, right? <laughs> we expect our ministers to be one of us. We expect our ministers to be struggling alongside of us, and it would be no fun if our ministers pretended otherwise. A few weeks ago, I told you about my struggles with impatience. I wouldn't have those illustrations if I didn't see in myself things that I knew, I knew I needed to struggle with on a regular basis. And so my imperfections are necessary and important to my ministry. Today, I want you to understand that your imperfections are necessary and important to your ministry as well. And you're like, ministry? Yes, your ministry. Your being with others in this community in ways that foster all of our religious and spiritual growth. The gifts that you give to this world that make it a better place. Your imperfections are necessary and important for that as well. Oh, about eight or nine years ago, I was blessed to hear Sharon Welch, author of the reading that Francis shared with us, in a keynote presentation with a jazz musician named Bobby Watson. And they did this keynote presentation together. And every now and then they would take a break in the keynote presentation and play some jazz. And so it was this really unusual weaving of presentation of theology and music and theory and practicality all together. And and I'll never forget this particular presentation. Bobby Watson explained to us about how he learned to be a jazz musician and how he learned to be an expert jazz musician, playing in the ensemble of Art Blakey, who's uh, a musician that those of you who are jazz aficionados have probably heard of. Well, when he was playing in Blakey's ensemble, if they played something, if they had a concert and every note was perfect, every note was, was like exactly what it was written, after the concert, Blakey would yell at all of them. He would be furious. Because you see, in jazz, if you're not making mistakes, you're not making art. In jazz, if if you're not hitting a wrong note and challenging the people around you to respond to that wrong note in ways that magnify it and make it more beautiful and more interesting, you're not making art. You're just copying something. 
And so Blakey would be furious if his musicians were too perfect. And so I learned, listening to Bobby Watson and hearing him and his ensemble make mistakes and recover and weave new and beautiful things again and again, that imperfections can be beautiful. Imperfections can be art. Imperfections can also be sources of gifts to a religious community. When we bring all of who we are, our cracks and our flaws, in addition to our gifts and our talents, we are whole in community. We bring our whole selves and we allow others to help us when we admit that maybe there's something that we're not so good at. We allow someone else to say, I'm good at that, let me help you. We give other people a space to use their gifts and talents in service to us. The water bearer in the story that I told the children saw the imperfection in his jug. He saw the crack in his jug. And it's hard to just fix, to patch up a clay pot, especially years and years ago before crazy glue was invented. It's hard to fix pottery that's leaking. And the water bearer decided rather than get mad at that jug, rather than, than curse that jug for leaking and making his job harder, he decided to make the best of it. He decided to plant flowers and vegetables alongside that path so that more beauty might enter this world, so that the house that he lived in and served and worked in would be filled with beautiful flowers all throughout the year, that his family might have fresh vegetables that were watered by that trickle of water each, each time he passed them by. Similarly, others are often aware of those imperfections that we are embarrassed to admit that we have. And so it's no use being embarrassed to admit that we have them because others understand that we have them. They have their own cracks and flaws as well. And religious community at its best, asks us to be whole, asks us to be people with joys and sorrows, with gifts and weaknesses, people with strengths and wounds. That's our challenge in coming together today, to bring all of who we are. I learned recently that in every snowflake that exists, there is a microscopic particle of dust. You see, if it's less than minus 40 degrees up in those clouds, and in most clouds it's less than minus 40 degrees, dust particles are required for ice crystals to form. This is your science moment of the morning. Dust particles are required for perfect six-sided ice crystals to form at temperatures less than 40 degrees. And without those perfect six-sided ice crystals, snowflakes couldn't form. We'd just get jagged ice pellets instead of those beautiful, intricate flakes of snow that branch out in six-sided patterns, intricate and different and unique. Without those microscopic particles of dust, we would only have sleet and freezing rain. We would never have snow. And if you, like me, hate snow, Imagine a world where all we had was sleet and freezing rain. 
and you might appreciate the snow just a little bit more. Imperfections, the impurities that are up in the atmosphere, make possible the beauty of snow, make possible the microscopic beauty of snow and the macroscopic beauty of snow as well. Imperfections within us make possible the beauty of humanity. They are a part of who we are. And so even as we rightly seek to improve ourselves, we can and should do it without beating ourselves up. We can embrace our imperfections instead of being ashamed of them. We can see them as sources of ministry, sources of beauty, sources of art, instead of things that we need to hide on a daily basis. We can seek to understand our imperfections, our flaws, the cracks in our pot as gifts to this religious community instead of reasons to withdraw from it. As we approach the new year, let us resolve, rather than to mend the cracks in our side, to bring our whole selves wherever we go to this community and to all of those places in our lives that need the flowers that grow on the side of the path that are only possible because of a leaky pot. Blessed be. In a moment, we will receive our offering. The offering in this fellowship is shared. Half of it supports the ministries of this fellowship, the many things that we do together, and the other half goes outside of our walls to support things in our community that we know are important. In November and December, we are sharing our offering with the Emergency Shelter Partnership, the interfaith coalition of congregations throughout this region that provide shelter in the coldest months for the homeless in our community. Your generosity is appreciated. Our offering will be gratefully received. <laughs> 